Hello, and welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast. Whether you are a member of our church family, either in person or online, or just checking us out for the first time, we believe that you belong here at New Hope Church, and we hope that this message speaks to you today. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv, and we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Church! <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Happy New Year. Tell, tell me, what's the best place that you can be at the beginning of a new year? Right here in church. So, awesome. So, welcome everybody at our 288 campus, our Friendswood campus, our Alvin campus, our Webster campus, and our Pearland campus. Welcome to you guys as well. Welcome. Welcome to everybody joining us online t- uh, today as well. We're going, to be in, uh, we're going to be in John chapter 7 today. John chapter 7, if you want to go ahead and uh, find John chapter 7 in your, in, in your Bible or on your device. Um, uh, but before we get there, I, I need to tell you what's coming up next week. Next week, we begin a brand new series of lessons called Four Marriage Must-Haves. If you're married, if you're thinking about getting married, if you want to be married, or if, if you are married and you don't want to be married, <laughs> which believe it or not, that's a real category, um, or you know someone in any of these situations, please invite them and you to gather with us beginning next weekend as we present these four biblical marriage must-haves. And I don't usually make guarantees on uh, sermons or series, but I'm going to make a guarantee this time. If you add these four must-haves to your marriage, your marriage will become great. And God wants you to have a great marriage. So uh, be here beginning next weekend. Uh, It's going to be, I think it's going to be life-changing for some folks in our church. Now, today's sermon is sort of an in-between kind of a sermon. And, And I say that because... We're really in between two different series in our study of the book of John. Our last series was the Collide series where we talked about encounters that Jesus had with people uh, in his ministry. Uh, uh, we'll come back after the, after the marriage series with another study from the book of John. So uh, we're in between series from the book of John. We're in between our Christmas series and our marriage series. That's what this week is right here. So we're in between John series. We're in between uh, Christmas and uh, marriage series. We're also sort of in between years right now. You are, you are here. I don't know if you know that. Uh, so we're saying goodbye to 2022, hello to 2023. So we're in between years, so to speak. And uh, what you're about to see in the text in, in John chapter 7, in John chapter 7, what you're about to see is that Jesus is sort of in between things here. He is, he's, he's having to become increasingly careful. But his strategy begins to change a little bit in John chapter 7. Now, as you know, people wanted Jesus dead Ever since he was born, if, if, if you were with us during the Christmas series, uh, King Herod was uh, like the first one that tried to take Jesus out. And, and, but since then, others have wanted him dead. But it's becoming something that is increasing in Jesus' ministry. Uh, the, religious, the Jewish religious leaders really, really want him dead. But Jesus is on a timetable that God the Father has set. So he's been very deliberate about where he goes and when he goes, deliberate about what he does in public. And he's trying not to allow things to escalate to a point where they just rise up and kill him or where they have the opportunity to kill him. 
One of the reasons that he doesn't want them to kill him yet, although he knows it's coming. Think about that. Think about living your life knowing that you're going to be crucified. That's where he is. He knows it's going to happen eventually, but he's not finished training his disciples yet. And when he leaves, he's going to, he's going to send the Holy Spirit. The church is going to begin, going to begin, but it's through the disciples that he wants to build that church. And so he has to train them. He has to train them. And so here we are in John chapter seven, which marks a change in his strategy and because of that, you're going to see as we, as we go on in our study that there are more threats to his life, more attempts to kill him. So let's go to John chapter 7. We're going to read through the text. I'm going to make some application as we go. And then we're going to conclude the service today at all of our campuses with our campus pastors praying a prayer over our congregation and over our campuses for this new year. That's how we're gonna, that's how we're gonna end the service, but begin the new year is in prayer. And that's, that's a good way to begin it, isn't it? So John chapter seven, beginning verse one says, after this, Jesus went about, which means he walked about freely. He went about in Galilee. Now, if you remember the map of Israel, Galilee's in the north, Judea's in the south, okay? And Jesus spent most of his time in Galilee. Um, uh, Judea is where uh, Jerusalem is located. <clears throat> After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. So he walked about freely in Galilee. He would what? He would, what's this word right here? He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So went about, he walked about freely up in the north of Israel, but uh, 80 miles to the south near Jerusalem, he, would, he was very cautious about what he did and where he went. And, <clears throat> but now it's time for the Feast of Booths. The Feast of Booths is also called the Feast of uh, Tabernacles, also called the Feast of Tents. It's one of the three big feasts that, was, that were held in Jerusalem back during that time period. You have the, you have the Passover feast, you had the, uh, 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 the, the Feast of Pentecost, and you also had this, the Feast of Booths. And, and uh, what is the Feast of Booths all about? I'll give you the short version, short description here. It was celebrated in Jerusalem. It lasted for one week. Every Jewish male was expected to be in attendance. People thank God after the harvest. So, so the feast was held in late September, early October after the harvest, which gave them an opportunity to bring a tithe or a tenth of uh, that harvest or the earnings from that harvest to the temple. It was a reminder of God's provision for 40 years in the wilderness that their ancestors had spent in the wilderness as they traveled from Egypt where they were in bondage to the promised land. And uh, everyone stayed in tents. So, so we could say that this feast was intense. Whoa. I'm a dad. I'm a dad. So, <clears throat> so intense, just like their ancestors did for 40 years in the wilderness uh, before they got to the promised land. Now, this is still a celebration that is held in Israel to this day. People will literally set up tents in their yards or near their homes to eat in and sometimes even to stay in during this week-long feast, tents that look like these. This is actually from the Feast of Tents in somebody's yard right here. Uh, this one as well, obviously, just for eating in during this feast. And uh, this one here, 
Um, <laughs> obviously, they didn't have a yard to put a tent in, but that did not stop them from celebrating this particular feast. But the feast is a time for the people to remember that even though once upon a time, it was hard times. Like their ancestors went through it for 40 years. 40 years they lived in tents in the wilderness, in the desert, and, and uh, it was difficult. The good news is God provided, and God has been good. And, and, and I can say this out loud today, even though it has been hard times for, for some of us, God has provided and God has been good. Somebody say amen if you're on board with that. And, uh, and so it's time, this, this, uh, this, this festival was time to celebrate and give thanks to God. Now verse 3. So Jesus' brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his own brothers believed in him. Now, how could they not believe in him? Now, first of all, remember, they are, uh, uh, not that I like to use this term, but they're half-brothers because uh, their dad was Joseph, Jesus' dad is God the Father. Okay, so uh, all from the same mother, but uh, they did not believe in him, and, and one reason could be, could be because he didn't start teaching and doing miracles until he was 30 years old. And that was after he got ran out of his hometown of Nazareth. And he got ran out of his hometown of Nazareth because he was in the synagogue one day. And it was just a custom. Somebody would read from the Old Testament. Jesus took the scroll of Isaiah, opened it up to Isaiah chapter 42, read scripture about the Messiah, looked at everybody in the synagogue and said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your presence like he's the Messiah. They got so mad at him that they ushered him out of the synagogue and shoved him, pushed him to the edge of a cliff and were about to throw him out. This is how Jesus' earthly ministry began. They wanted to kill him. They're about to throw him over a cliff. The Bible says that he slipped through the crowd and, and got away because it was not time for him to die yet. It would be eventually on the cross, but it wasn't time for him to die yet. And so he leaves Nazareth and makes his home then in Capernaum. Maybe his brothers have been a little distance from him and did not know exactly what he was doing and what he was teaching. They did not hear him. They did not see the miracles that he was doing. Maybe, maybe. Maybe it's because um, uh, they, they did see him, but they didn't believe that he was the Messiah. Maybe they thought that he did have some tricks up his sleeve, but they just didn't believe that he was the Messiah sent from God. It's like, this is our brother. <laughs> he can't be him for real. Now, they didn't believe at this point, but that all changed after the resurrection. His brother James became one of the most well-known leaders in the massive church of Jerusalem. He even wrote the book of James. His brother Jude more than likely wrote the book of Jude. So they came around, but at this point, they don't believe. And so they are basically, in the text here, they're taunting their brother. They're taunting Jesus. They did not understand that Jesus was on a very specific timetable. Verse 6, Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. In other words, you can do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. You can go to a big event like this. You don't have to worry about anything. Show up whenever you want, but it's not the same for me because, verse 7, the world cannot hate you 
but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. Now, if you're not on Team Jesus in our, in our world today, you can basically do whatever you want, and the world gives you a pass. Am I correct about that? If you're not on Team Jesus. And uh, I read the other day, and I don't know anything about this rapper, okay, so don't go buy all of your music based on what I'm about to say. But it's a, a, a rapper, MIA, okay? And, and she professed her belief in Jesus in the not too distant past. And she comes from a Hindu background, but she says she had an encounter with Jesus and he changed her thinking and she put her faith in him and she came out and said, Jesus is real. And she said she has gotten so much hate from that. More hate than anything she's ever done. Back when she was doing terrible things, she said she's received more hate now. She says, the world would rather me be a bad girl than a good girl. And that's the way it is in our world today. If you stand up for Jesus, you're going to get attacked. If you think that, for instance, drag shows that include kids in the audience, if you think, if you think that those are bad, the world will hate you. The world will come at you. If, you're, if you think it's okay for kids to be at drag shows, you get a pass. If you think that Bible's story time during a, a public gathering at, at a library, for instance, is a good thing, you're going to get in trouble nowadays. You're, you're going to get in trouble. If you don't think it's a good idea that little kids take puberty blockers or mutilate their bodies with gender reassignment surgery, then you are called, for instance, a right-wing bigot. And um, this may come as no surprise to you, but I've received some hate because of the things that I have said. And that's okay. That's okay. Because it's evil. And somebody needs to say it out loud. Jesus says, the world hates me because I call out the evil in the world. But he said to his own brothers who didn't get it yet, who were still in the world, who were not on Team Jesus yet, he said, you can do whatever you want. You go ahead, you go up to the festival. I am not yet going up to this feast for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. <clears throat> now, some translations include the word yet. Some translations do not include the word yet, which is why it appears in brackets here on the screen. When it's not included in this verse, it makes it sound as though Jesus straight up lies to his brothers, which critics have used to say that Jesus isn't the sinless son of God that we make him out to be. Uh, that's because without the word yet, Jesus says... I'm not going up to the feast. Verse 8, I'm not going up to the feast. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, in private. So it seems like he says one thing and then does another. I'm not going, and then he went. Which makes me feel compelled to take a moment and explain it so that we can all understand it. The verse in question, uh, back again, is verse 8. 
Uh, this verse is written in the present tense in Greek. So Jesus is making a statement in a moment of time about a particular moment in time. His brothers are taunting him, trying to get him to go right then. If you're really who you say you are, then you need to go. But Jesus says in the present tense, <clears throat> it's not time. It's not time. And he stayed in Galilee. Now, since it's present tense, uh, we see some translations, including the word yet, to help us understand the exact meaning of how this was written in the Greek originally. It's more obvious in the Greek that Jesus was talking about that moment. It's not so obvious in the English. So think of it this way. They said, come on, let's go. Let's go. We're going. Come on, let's go. And Jesus said, it's not time for me to go. You go ahead. And he stayed behind. And then later, when it was the right time, he went. Hopefully that helps, okay? So now he's on his way. We are in verse 11. Uh, the Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? And there was much muttering about him uh, among the people. While some said he's a good man, others said, no, he is leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. So Jesus isn't even at the feast yet, and he's already the talk of the town. But it's a hush talk because people are afraid they're going to get in trouble if it seems that they're believing in Jesus, kind of like today. Okay? But then he makes his appearance, verse 14. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. So Jesus waits until the middle of the feast to make a public appearance. And at this time, Jerusalem is packed. It is packed with people. And so what does he do? He goes to the busiest place in town, which is the temple in Jerusalem. He stands right up in front of this mass of people and he starts teaching, maybe because he knows it will be impossible for the Jewish leaders to arrest him or to try to kill him in such a public place. So all they could do at this moment is listen and listen they did. Verse 15, the Jews therefore marveled saying, how is it that this man is lear has learning when he has never studied? Now, when it says the Jews here, uh, that's a reference to the religious leaders who had spent their entire lives studying the Old Testament scriptures and the prophecies and the law. And they're thinking, hey, I don't recognize this guy. He was not in any of my classes. Was he in any of your classes? I never saw him at school. How in the world does he know so much? Here's how Jesus knows so much. Verse 16, so Jesus answered him, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. So I'm going to cut to the chase here, okay? Jesus was causing a stir at the feast. People were divided about who he was. Some said, some said that he was the Messiah. Some said he was possessed by a demon. Some thought that he was just downright crazy. Then in verse 37, it says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, so now we're at the biggest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, rivers here is a symbol of the provision from God that just keeps coming. It's like a river. Like, it's not like a lake. It's not like a pond. Provision from God into our hearts is like a river. I don't know if you've ever seen that show, Gold Rush, and I'm not telling you to watch it because it is an exercise in futility if you've ever seen it. <clears throat> Chasing the gold year after year. But there's an offshoot of that show 
and I don't remember, Whitewater, uh, Gold Rush, Whitewater, where they're trying to actually mine a river somewhere up in Alaska that's in a deep crevice of these mountains and the river rages and it is powerful. And so they try to dive down into the river and, and using a dredge to take up the material to find gold and, and uh, every week, and I try not to watch it, but I always end up watching it. Um, Every week, whatever they have gets smashed because the water's uh, too powerful, or somebody almost gets carried away, or somebody almost drowns. Every week, every week, every week, same thing over and over and over again. And they're constantly fighting the power of the river. No matter what they do, it keeps coming. No matter what they do, it never shuts off. Now, that's obviously kind of a negative connotation, but now turn it over to the positive. No matter what happens in this life, the provision that God wants to give us just keeps coming. No matter what comes against us, it just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. And <clears throat> it'll never shut off. It'll never run dry. And with that, I want to give you three real quick lessons. And uh, then at all of our campuses, we're going to have a time of prayer, okay? So three lessons today from Jesus and a feast. The first one is this. God has provided for us. God has provided for us. Now, the Feast of Booths was a time to look back and thank God for how he has provided. Most of us are not from Jewish ancestry, so we don't celebrate this particular feast. But I think the idea of just kind of stopping at key moments to remember that God has been good, that God has provided, and to say thank you to God is probably a good thing for all of us. Amen. 2022 was a hard year for many of us. It was uh, the most difficult year of, of my life and my family's life. Maybe for you it was difficult too. In fact, it doesn't need to be the most difficult year of your life, but how many of you, 2022 is kind of hard? Kind of hard? Okay. You see the hands around you at your campus. Lots of people, it's a difficult year, but hear me out. You're in church. God has brought you through it. And I don't know about you, but I don't need to stay in a tent to be thankful for what God has brought me through. I don't need to stay in a tent to remember how difficult it has been. But I do thank God that on this New Year's Day, we can, as we start another year, we can look back and we can say, you know what? It hasn't been easy, but thank you, Lord. Thank you for your salvation through Jesus. Thank you that you provide for us no matter what's going on. Thank you that you walk with us through the good times and the bad times. Thank you, Lord, for being good to us. Amen? Amen. Secondly, God is always on time. God is always on time. When you see the moment-by-moment spirit-led calculations that Jesus used during his ministry, he was always in the right place at the right time, then I have no doubt that God will be on time in my life as well. Amen. Now, I'm going to confess something, but, so just ignore me, okay? Sometimes I feel like God is not on time. Like I've been asking God to do some things and I'm pretty sure I've got a pretty good timetable worked out and I've put it on paper and I have shown it to God how perfect it would be if it would just work out like that, but it hasn't worked out exactly as I wanted it to work out, at least not yet. 
So what's the lesson here? The lesson is his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. And even though it seems like he is late, he's not late. He's got a better plan than I have. He's got a better plan. And uh, he loves me. He loves you. He's working things out together for his, for our good and for his glory in our lives. And so that's something that I can hold on to in 2023. God is always on time. Amen. Then number three, God will be with us every step of the way in 2023. <clears throat> he has promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. David said in Psalm 23, the most famous psalm in the Bible, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. Or my favorite translation, it's the Tim Liston version. <clears throat> is that blasphemous to say it's my favorite one? <clears throat> it's very accurate. The Lord is my shepherd. I've got nothing to worry about. I got nothing to worry about. No problem is too big for my God. No problem comes my way, and this is it might be a surprise to me, but it's not a surprise to God. As we studied a few weeks ago, when we were in John chapter six, we were talking about the feeding of the five thousand, and <clears throat> when it all started happening, Jesus looks next to him. At, at Philip, and he says, hey, Philip, where are we going to buy enough bread for all these people? And th that set Philip's mind reeling, trying to figure it out, doing the math and all that, as we talked about on that weekend. But the very next verse says, Jesus asked this question only to test him, for he knew in his heart what he was going to do. He already had a plan. He already had a plan. The problem and the question was just to test are we gonna believe that God has provided, God is providing, and God will provide no matter what? Amen. Jesus said in verse 38, we're back in uh, John 7, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, just so you know, if you read on in the text, <clears throat> This is a direct reference to the Holy Spirit who takes up residency in our hearts when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And when we do that, when we cross over that line of faith and put our faith in Jesus, that's when this promise becomes truth for us, that God will provide everything that we need, like a river that won't run dry. Everything we need for everything that we're going through, everything that we need for everything that we're going through, every single day, every single moment of 2023. What's 2023 hold? After the last few years, I have no clue. But here's what I know. God has promised to provide us everything we need for everything we go through. True in the past, true in the present, true for 2023 as well. God is good. God is good. Thank you, Lord, for your love, for your grace, your provision. Thank you for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves, and that is to give your only begotten son, perfect, sinless lamb of God, to take away our sins. 
thank you that, Lord, that anyone at our campuses right now or watching online who wants to be a part of your forever family, all they need to do is put their faith in you. Accept Jesus as Lord and Savior today if you've not done so. Now, I'm going to get off of this stage and I'm going to let our campus pastors, campus pastors, if you'd go ahead and move to the stage at this time, get ready to pray. <clears throat> By the way, I thank God for our campus pastors. I know. Yeah, all of our campuses, give up. <clears throat> you really don't know how blessed we are. We got, um, uh, we, we got Pastor Howard at the Alvin campus doing a great job. We got Pastor Mike at our Friendswood campus doing an amazing job as well. Pastor Jordan at the Pearland campus that's firing up. We got, uh, who am I forgetting? Pastor Andy at our Webster campus, who is just starting off with us, and Pastor Jeremy's over there today, uh, walking side by side as he gets his feet on the ground there, and Pastor Jeremy will be at our 288 campus here uh, pretty soon. In the meantime, we got Pastor John at the 288 campus, who is the interim campus pastor, but <clears throat> I'm telling you, we, we're a blessed church family. So one more time, uh, church family, all of our campuses, give it up for your campus pastor. Thank you very much, Pastor Tim. Really appreciate this teaching this morning. I hope it was an encouragement to you. But as Pastor Tim said, we're going to move into a time of prayer today. And uh, honestly, I can't think of a better way to start the new year than to do it by talking to God. And so we're going to spend just a few minutes together doing exactly that. And I'm going to encourage you in this time to uh, begin to move into what I would call a posture of prayer. And so maybe for you, that's just bowing your head and closing your eyes. Maybe for you, that's getting down on your knees. I'm going to invite our prayer partners to come to the front of the stage right now, the front of the room right now. And maybe for you, uh, you're just going to feel compelled at some point as we're praying to come, come forward, uh, to stand before God um, as an individual or with your family. You can do that as well. But I know for some of you, 2022 was a banner year. You look back and maybe there was a graduation, there was a marriage, maybe you started a business, maybe, maybe there was a relationship that was reconciled, or maybe, maybe for you, your, your spiritual life just went to another level. And so you've got lots to be thankful for. Well, you should talk to God about those things. Thank him for those things as a new year begins. I know for others of you though, it wasn't a banner year. And maybe 2022 was your toughest year, most difficult year. And you, you had to deal with some things back in 2022. You're, you're just thankful it came to an end. You're ready to say goodbye. You're ready to move into some new things. Well, regardless of where you were in 2022, here's what I know about 2023. We're going to need God in 2023. There's a decision that we're going to have to make. Uh, there's a difficult circumstance that we're going to have to overcome. There's a relationship that we're going to have to navigate. And we're, we're going to need God's help for all of those things. And so we're just going to take time out right now to begin talking to God. So if you would, go ahead and bow your heads. Close your eyes. Let, let's talk to, to God right now. God, first, first and foremost, we just thank you uh, that um, you provide for us. And God, you never promised to give us what we want, but you have promised to give us everything that we need. And if we look back at 2022, regardless of how things went, it's so, uh, it's so evident that you have been with us, that you've been blessing us, that your hand of favor has been upon us, 
You've been with us in presence. You've provided in all different types of ways, relationally, financially, with our health. And so, God, we want to give you praise right now and honor for just providing. And, God, I, uh, I, I want to thank you first and foremost for Jesus. Because of him, we experience forgiveness. Because of him, we can have a relationship with you. Because of him, we have the hope of heaven. And honestly, God, if you didn't give us anything else but your son, you've given us more than we deserve. And so we thank you for Jesus so much. And God, we uh, thank you for our family and our friends, the people that you've surrounded us with, the people that have walked with us in this life. And have encouraged us. God, we're thankful for each and every one of them. We know that you uh, put them in our lives. Every good and perfect gift comes from you, and so we're thankful for our friends and family. God, we're thankful for New Hope Church. We're thankful for New Hope Church because this is the place that we can come and be encouraged, be built up, where we can serve and use our gifts and see your kingdom advance, see lives transform because of this place. And so we're thankful for each and every campus. God, I'm thankful for Pastor Tim, who's not afraid to get on stage and speak boldly, to, to stand on the truth of your word, to say the things that need to be said. And God, I, I, I know that um, he loves you and that he honors you with his life, but we want to honor him right now by just asking that you continue to give him guidance, that you would continue to bless him. God, that you would give him wisdom as he leads us to where you would want us to go. We're just so thankful for all that you provide. And God, I'm just going to thank you in advance for the things you're going to do in 2023, the things we cannot see yet. We just praise you for being our provider each and every day. God, we also uh, are thankful for your plan, your good and perfect plan, not just for our lives, but for our families as well. And, and we're, we're thankful that your timing is always good, that you're always right on time. God, help us to be patient. Help us to, to recognize that you are working even when we can't see it, that you're making a way, even when we don't know how you're going to make that way. But we thank you for the fact that you're always right on time. Maybe not early, but certainly never late. We're thankful for that. And God, I just want to lift up individuals and family in our church that are going through difficulties right now. Maybe, maybe God, somebody who uh, is hurting, I pray that you would comfort them. Uh, God, somebody that's afraid, I pray that you would be their refuge and ever-ready help in times of trouble. Those who are struggling with a sin issue right now, God, I pray that you would just give them the power to overcome. Pro prodigal sons and daughters who've walked away from parents and from you, God, I pray that their hearts would just be drawn back to you. God, I just uh, thank you so much for all that you do for us. Finally, God, I just want to pray and thank you that you're with us every step of the way. We, we look forward to 2023. We know that you're going to be with us in all that we do. Uh, and so I, I pray, God, that, that we would feel a sense of urgency in 2023 when it comes to following you. You are the good shepherd, and, and you're going to walk with us every step of the way. But the truth is this world is changing rapidly. And so I pray that this would be a year when we would draw closer to you than ever before, that we would wake up each and every day uh, 
anxious and eager to spend time with you in prayer and to spend time with you in the word. God, I pray that this would be a year of spiritual breakthrough uh, for, for New Hope Church and for the individual families in our church. I pray this would be a year we, we boldly pray for and invite our ones to know you. I pray that this would be a year that our light shine brighter than ever before, that those around us would be drawn closer to you because of something that they see in us. God, I pray that we would not just be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers of the word each and every single day. God, once again, we're thankful for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray and ask all of these things. Amen. Would you go ahead and stand with me at this time? We never want to end a service without giving you the opportunity to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that yet, uh, but, but are feeling the pull to do so, we will have prayer partners right down front. I'm going to encourage you to come down and talk to one of them. You can talk to me, but they would be glad to lead you to that decision. Or if you just got more that you need prayer about, come on down front. We're a family. We would love to pray with you. But uh, uh, let me pray one more time, and then we'll be dismissed. God, thank you so much for all you're doing in 2023. We look forward to a new year walking with you. We know that your plan is good and perfect, that you're doing all things for our good and for your glory. And so we're thankful for Jesus who makes it all possible. It's in his name that I pray and ask all these things. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you guys very much. I look forward to seeing you next Sunday. If you enjoyed the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.